Congratulations, you've made it to the See It To Be It podcast, formerly On The Spot, where we sit down with some of the most inspiring female leaders and role models. And today, as we launch our new name, we couldn't be more proud to feature the one and only Randy Zuckerberg. It's an inspiring conversation today and every Thursday. So be sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode of See It To Be It, available every Thursday on your favorite podcast streaming services. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, founder of On The Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success through stories and actionable advice from role models. And the key here is these role models are relatable role models. They're women just like you and me. And this week, I sometimes say is no different, but it's a little different because we have somebody super, super special who has just done so much for women. And we're really excited to welcome Randy Zuckerberg, who has just really come out of the forefront for women. And you've just used so much of what you've done to empower and help women. So thank you, Randy. And thank you for being on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. And I I love your story. I'm excited for a great conversation. Excellent. I just want to start because I have to say, I absolutely love your background because it's a little wild and crazy. I mean, I'm looking at like, okay, you own a media company, you have a tech kitchen for kids, you write books for both adults and kids, you perform and produce on Broadway, you do countless speaking gigs, and now you've launched an accelerator called the Zuckerberg Institute. I just wonder, like if you really, really, really had to pick just one, where does your passion lie? Oh my gosh, that's such a fun question. You know, I was just at a cocktail party last night and someone was like, so what do you do, Randy? And I was like, you got half an hour, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, because like you said, it, it's so hard. And I feel like depending on the day or the person I'm talking to, I have a different answer to that. But I think if I had to distill it down to one thing, I like to say that I'm a patron of entrepreneurship. So I guess just like some people are a patron of the arts or museums or things. For me, I just love helping other people bring new ideas into the world that didn't exist before we built it together. And so that's why for me, almost everything that I do is around supporting entrepreneurs, supporting projects, being like the first money into things and really guiding entrepreneurs on that journey. Oh, that's awesome. So let's talk a little bit about kind of going back a little further, because I think this is so interesting just about your background. Because, you know, when you were in college, did you ever dream that one day that you'd not only be a leading woman in tech, but also an advocate for women and girls? Because I know you wanted to study musical theater and you were a psychology major, I heard. I mean, life is so funny. I have to say, it was a very accidental journey into entrepreneurship because I don't think ever in my life leading up to my early 20s would I have ever looked anyone in the eye and said that I was an entrepreneur or a creator, an inventor. I never would have said that. I had a background in musical theater and then I worked in advertising and marketing. But Silicon Valley is a really special place. You know, I almost wish that everyone could just experience like one year of their career out in Silicon Valley because there's a lot of challenging things about Silicon Valley. But one of the amazing things is that there's kind of this culture of just take big, bold risks and don't be afraid of failing. And everyone you talk to has kind of fallen flat on their face at some point and lifted themselves back up and tried something new. And so you get out there and it's hard to not catch that entrepreneurial spirit yourself. 
when you're out there. And I even found myself, I didn't think I was an entrepreneur, starting to take these big risks and trying things and inventing and creating things myself. And I, I'm really grateful for that opportunity. That's amazing. Let's talk a little bit about your time in Silicon Valley. And for those people who have been living under a rock, you were at, at Facebook for how many years? I was there for about seven years. I guess, you know, I have two different answers to that question. The first is like how long I was paid to be at Facebook and how long I was like helping for free before that. About seven years and working at a startup, if for anyone out there who hasn't, it's like dog years. So, yes. I mean, that is a long time to be heads down at a startup. But um, I went out to work at Facebook. I was working in marketing in New York City and my brother was basically calling me saying, hey, Randy, I could really use someone who knows about marketing. And what he really meant by that was that he needed someone who would work for free, I, I think <laughs> is like really what he meant. And so I went out to Silicon Valley thinking that I would be there for maybe a month or so to help him and then, you know, go back to New York. And 10 years later, I finally moved back to New York. So it was really wow. an incredible journey. And it was really through that that I discovered a lot of my own entrepreneurial power. I think one of my biggest things I'm proud of at Facebook is that I created Facebook Live. You know, I never would have thought that I, a marketer, would create something like that. So it really inspired me on my journey after I left Facebook to help other women discover the entrepreneur within themselves too. And I love that because I, I think that, uh, you know, twofold, I mean, first of all, sort of this accidental tech that we talked about. I remember the first time when I talked about my software platform for On The Dot, somebody says, oh, so you're a SaaS company. And I looked at him, I was like, well, I'm sassy. I didn't even know what the word meant. So I think it's just so interesting. What I love about Facebook Live, and I think kind of taking it to that next level is that next level of engagement, right? That real sort of face-to-face -face that I think that we're craving, that we're missing in a lot of this world, and that you can get that, you know, even if it's just on one side, but then of course people can interact real time. Time. And so I think that real interaction is so critically important. That, you know, you just don't get in other places on social media. Yeah, 100%. And that was always something I was very passionate about. I was always passionate about the fact that, you know, technology is changing the world in so many ways, but we can't forget that there are humans on the other side of screens. And so I've always been thinking about kind of those tough ethical questions when it relates to tech. And my first book was actually called Dot Complicated because it is this incredibly complicated world we live in where we're moving forward with technology, but it's now causing all these complications in our human interactions. And so that's always been something I'm very passionate about. So, you know, because you sort of became this accidental woman in tech and arguably one of the fastest growing, you know, companies out there, what do you see as some of the biggest challenges for women in tech and especially in this large corporate environment? For sure. And it's funny because in New York City, where I started my career, there are so many women in top positions. You know, you look at the fashion industry, you look at advertising and media. So when I started my career in New York, I remember my mom kind of talking to me about being a woman in business and the glass ceiling. And I was like, whatever, mom, it's 1999. The glass ceiling is done. You know, like having such a bad attitude with her about it. 
then I got out to Silicon Valley and I was like, oh my gosh, wow, there's a glass ceiling and it's really low. If I, you know, sit up, I'm going to bump my head on it. And uh, that was really surprising because I went from being surrounded by tons of awesome female role models in New York City to literally being the only woman in almost every room that I was in for 10 years. That was a really shocking change. And so I like to say that, you know, my own relationship with technology and Silicon Valley has been complicated because on one hand, I loved everything that we were doing at Facebook. I felt like all of the work that I was doing with Facebook Live was giving a voice to all of these people who didn't have voices, to women, to people around the world. And then here I was sitting in all these rooms with no representation of women or of diversity. It was like this very complicated world that I was balancing. And that's why for me, I kept thinking, you know, that the next chapter of my career after I, you know, do what I'm supposed to do here at Facebook, the next chapter of my career has to be dedicated to getting more women in these rooms. Absolutely. I think it it is interesting because, of course, the unique part of your experience is that you were related to the founder in this big company, but you still had that siloed experience and still, you know, fought to overcome those challenges, you know, so, you know, imagining what it's like for women everywhere frankly, companies all over. You know, I I talk and work with companies all the time that, you know, can't get past that 25, 30% women mark, you know, for gender parity. And I mean, then when you look at funding into female-led startups, (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. I've heard something between two and 6%. So even on the high end of the numbers people are quoting, it's still only single digits. That's somebody finagling some numbers there to try to make it look better. I think so. I've heard it's closer to to 2%. And, you know, then when you dig in deeper and you talk about women of color, it like drastically drops from there even more. I think there's fewer than 40 black women that have ever raised over a million dollars of venture funding. So there are some serious issues. That's why for me, after I left Facebook, I spent about a year of just kind of fact checking and talking to people. And I really wanted to identify where are those gaps that we lose women. And that's where I wanted to focus. And it's interesting. I actually found that two huge gaps that I'm wondering, like, if you, I don't know, maybe if you can guess where they are. Well, funding for sure. Um, yeah. Gosh, there's so many. Um, and are you talking particularly for entrepreneurs? Yeah. So the two gaps that I found, the first is that eight years old, eight years old is a huge drop-off point for girls in tech. It's somewhere around third grade that girls start to say, oh, that's for boys or I'm not good at math. And so that was shocking to me that it starts that early. And the other gap that I found is exactly what you just said. It's in starting companies. It's at that moment where women have an idea that they just can't get funding or they don't have a strong peer network of other women who know how to guide them. And so they stop in their tracks before they even start. And so for me, actually, that's why joking back to when you said that I have my hat in so many different areas, the reason I do that is because I wanted to address both of those gaps at the same time. So half the work I do is in children's entertainment and media directed to that kind of eight, nine-year-old girl. And the other half of the work that I do is around coaching, mentoring, and investing in female entrepreneurs at that moment where they're about to give up. Wow. 
I think that the key with young girls, I mean, I know this is basically almost to a panic level at tech companies about the pipeline drying up. And they're doing a lot of work to figure out how do we support young girls? Because they realize, you know, not only they realize their companies will be more profitable if they have women in these leadership positions, but how do they keep the pipeline flowing? Because they're going to run out of people to fill that. And I think that the key is Yes, we need to provide these opportunities and get girls excited about it and help them feel comfortable, but also the corporations need to fix what's going on inside. Gosh, I I could talk to you for hours about this. You're, You're so spot on. And that's why it's such a complicated issue. We need to be simultaneously fixing it in schools, in companies. We need to be fixing how parents talk to children. I mean, there's so many things that need to be fixed. And I think the most staggering stat that I saw is that by the end of next year, just a year from now, there will be 1 million open technology jobs that are just sitting open that can't be filled because there are not enough people graduating with the skills and the degrees to fill those jobs. So here we are sitting in like maybe a recession economy with a million high paying jobs just sitting open. So it really is at crisis level of getting more young girls and women to focus on these areas. Well, I'm working to fix it inside companies. So work together and then maybe, hey, we can come together and, and, and solve all the world's problems. I love it. It's so wonderful to have incredible women like you that are focused on this. Well, thank you. And you as well. It's great to be part of the posse, right? Let me just talk a little bit about your accelerator, because I know a lot of the things we were just talking about, you know, those are the reason for the Zuckerberg Institute and why you founded this. So talk to me a little bit about that mission and how you hope your accelerator will give women a leg up. Absolutely. So I just launched last year's Zuckerberg Institute. And for me, I travel around the world. I probably give about 50 keynote speeches a year and I'm in so many countries. And what I realized is that, you know, entrepreneurs all over the world are facing these same gaps. So I decided to launch. It's all virtual over online. We offer many different kinds of things. Some entrepreneurs are really on a great path. They just need to learn one skill set, like how to launch a podcast or how to do SEO marketing, really specific things. But I find that most entrepreneurs need a little bit of love and handholding and mentorship. So I do everything from one-on-one coaching and mentoring with entrepreneurs to small group coaching with like-minded entrepreneurs. And now this year, we're launching some experiential leadership trips, which I'm so excited about because I think that's when you can really learn and blossom and make a strong mentoring group. So uh, this year with Zuckerberg Institute, we have our first leadership trip to India. This fall, we're going to be learning about leadership through Buddhist monks. We have an audience with the Dalai Lama. It's going to be just a, a wonderful trip. And we're bringing three coaches along on the trip to kind of help people figure out their personal and and professional directions while they're doing that. We're also putting together trips to Israel where we can learn from people on the front lines of some of the world's most intense conflict management, how to bring that back to our own businesses and lives. Now we're going to do a New York City media summit so that people can learn everything about how to run a media business. I need to be coaching. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I would love to have you come to that. Are you kidding? So I think for me, we try to do a mixture of kind of lightweight online mentoring and coaching for people who don't have a 
lot of time or halfway across the world. But I do think a lot of people yearn for that face-to-face, like you were saying, those experiences that like money can't buy really. And that's what what we're trying to do a lot of with Zuckerberg Institute also. Oh, that is amazing. Well, I mean, just shifting gears a little bit here. So you have three young children, one of them very, very young, two months old. Yes. And I understand that you've got two great feminist boys. I have a 12-year-old feminist boy as well. And now you've got your little girl. So that's amazing. Yes. I'm so excited. I thought I was having a third boy the entire pregnancy. So it was really the shock of my life to hear that it was a daughter. And it was very emotional, as you can imagine, for someone who, you know, I've dedicated the last almost 10 years now of my career to getting more women and girls into STEM. And then, you know, coming home every night to my like group of awesome boys. It was just very profoundly emotional to have a daughter. That is so great. So, you know, obviously you're juggling a lot. Like how has technology shaped your parenting style? And are there any, you know, like tech hacks that you got for parents? You know, I wish that I had it all figured out. I think we're all still struggling and no matter what, we're all going to get laughed by our children. But, you know, for me, I spend a lot of time on the road. I love what I do. I love traveling and giving keynotes and meeting entrepreneurs around the world. But it also unfortunately means that I'm away from my family about half the year. And so we have developed kind of just all sorts of fun things that we do when I'm on the road. Like I will sit and eat dinner with my family when I'm on the road, but like I just do it through FaceTime or Skype. Like I'll just like order room service and put FaceTime up. We play board games. I have like a travel version of Battleship and and Guess Who that I bring on the road with me. And I'll just put on FaceTime and actually play board games with my children and stuff like that. I love that. (laughs) I'm thankful for technology like that every single day, because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be able to do what I do and do what I love. On the other hand, though, even I still struggle. Sometimes that tech really comes in between you and the people you love. And I often find myself when I'm supposed to be in family time, like just reaching for the phone or doing that thing. And it's hard. I actually went to a Broadway show last night where they lock your phone away in a pouch as soon as you get into the theater. I have to say, like, my first instinct, I panicked. I was like, how am I going to find my friend that I'm meeting in the theater? I found him four seconds later. All I had to do was just like look up with my eyes and I found him, but I panicked. I was like, how am I going to accomplish anything? And then it was actually a beautiful evening because I actually got to talk to my friend instead of like texting all intermission and everything. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I love the hotels. Have you ever gotten one of the little sleep bags? Like put your phone in the little baggie and put it to bed. It's so funny. Yes. Yes. yes <laughs> a little like phone sleeping bag. I love that. So yeah, so this was a very cool experience, but I have to say it was like that first moment of panic when someone makes you lock your phone away was very indicative of how addicted we've all become. Yeah. Well, you know what they say, practice, practice, practice. Now that you've experienced it and you loved it, now you just have to practice it to get over that panic, right? You know, this is one that personally I'm just really interested to to hear about because I think that it can often be really lonely being an entrepreneur and a female entrepreneur. Even though there are a lot of groups and things for entrepreneurs, you're sometimes all alone. And how do you find those mentors and people that will give you guidance? Do you have people in your life that, that you go to for that? And, and how do you cultivate those relationships? It's interesting that you say that. My thoughts about mentorship have really changed over the years. I feel like when I was younger, everyone said, you know, find that one or two 
you know, mentors that will help you along the way. And I have to say that I was always pretty disappointed by those people. I'd find them and then they would either not have time for me because they were, you know, 15 levels above me in, in their career. Or when I would finally sit down with them, all they would want is to pick my brain about social media. And then I would end up mentoring them instead of like getting any help from them. And so finally, I think it was even just a few years ago that I realized that actually my best mentors all along have been my friends and peers who have been right next to me going through the same things. And like we've always just bounced things off of each other and gone through challenging times together. And so for me now, I'm all about peer mentorship. I want to see more women early on form really strong peer mentor groups of people going through similar things as them because everyone rises together. I don't want other people to waste their time searching for like that one mentor the way I wasted so much time doing that. Right. Find your tribe. That's right. Absolutely. So I guess as we sort of close up today, which I don't want to, I want to keep going and going and going because this is such a great conversation. But, you know, because we're all about role models, and I'm sure that you have so many, but who is your role model? Who's that person that really like sticks out for you? Oh my gosh. I mean, there are so many women in my life who I truly admire. I mean, I have a cheesy one and then some practical ones. I mean, I have to say that my mom is just someone who I always look up to. She, you know, really was pursuing her dreams to become a doctor. She went through medical school. She went through residency and then became a stay-at-home mom. And we have really had some very deep conversations over the years some of those sacrifices and what she felt was worth it about giving up her career and what she has regretted over the years, her strength and her openness and having that dialogue with me as I went through my own life of being a working mom really just like meant so much in my life to have someone who is so open and vulnerable with those conversations. She's an incredible woman. Right now, in addition to all my work with entrepreneurs in the Zuckerberg Institute, I'm very involved in the Broadway world. I am so thrilled. I just won my first Tony Awards for two shows that I've been involved with. One is Hades Town, one is Oklahoma. So when I talk about role models that I look up to, theater, unfortunately, is just like tech. There are not many women who are leading the charge. There are a lot of women on stage. But then when you look at who's behind the scenes running things, the directors, the producers, it's all men. It's very similar to the tech industry. And so I have kind of put my wagon behind a few role models that I see in theater, you know, kind of those lone women that are getting in there and lead producing and directing, you know, two shows that both had female role models of mine that I was working with that won those Tonys. And so that was a really incredible thing for me of watching those role models really advance the industry for all women. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much. I just appreciate you sharing so openly and and everything you're doing. It just had so much purpose. I love that. You know, you're doing so many different things, but you can totally see your path and your purpose and everything you do. And so it's really inspiring. And I just appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and our, our listeners today. And don't worry, because we will all be watching and cheering you on to see what you do next. Thank you so much. Such a wonderful time chatting with you today. And I look forward, hopefully our paths will cross many more times. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. 
Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at On The Dot Woman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.